opportunity to come before your throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for blessing us with life, health, strength. Thank you, Lord. We will not die, but we will live and declare the works of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that there is life in your word, and we thank you for giving us that life today. It is eternal life. So we thank you to strengthen that part of us today by hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen and amen. Praise God. So we're going to continue talking about God's powerful peace today. Amen. Fill in some of the... Places that we started kind of laying down a foundation yesterday. Uh, we did give a definition of peace and it's very expansive. It really talks about any, everything from the absence of fear, which is a spirit that we feel in our emotions. So fear is not merely an emotion, but it is uh, an emotion generated by a spirit. And uh, that is something that you have to keep in mind about many of our emotions. Um, Some of them are exaggerated and really not normal. So emotions can be uh, strengthened by different spiritual force behind them. Know that God is the greatest spiritual force. And His where we feel emotionally, uh, um, when God touches us, it's a deeper uh, and a purer type of emotion than would be felt uh, from the dark side. For instance, if we feel discouragement, that comes from a spirit of oppression. And so, but praise can lift that. You ever notice that? And it can lift it permanently if you'll stand in a place of believing God and, and not giving in to discouragement and oppression and, and the fits of this and fits of that. You know, baby, I call them baby tantrum emotions, you know, and, uh, and God wants us to mature out of that and take on the emotions that He gives us by His Holy Spirit. And we talked about the fact that peace is probably the most potent ones of those because because to be honest with you, that's the first spirit that God gives us when we're saved. The Bible says that through the blood of the cross, we have peace with God. Amen. The Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is the first sign of God's approval on us. We talked about peace being like a handshake from God. When you uh, pray and, and you make your request known uh, to God or when you, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, let your requests be known to God. So what you're doing is you're sending a, a prayer out there and you're asking If it's okay, you're asking for permission. You're asking for that thing to come into your life. And the Bible says if you will do that with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, in faith, then God answers back with his peace. So God's peace is his answer of yes and amen to what we request. And then that peace is there to abide with us and never leave us. 
So really, you don't ever have to get nervous about what's taking so long for your prayer to be answered. You don't ever have to get nervous about, well, uh, you know, did I pray the right way or not the right way? I'm telling you, some of our crazy teaching has made us more nervous than it has given us peace. I remember seeing a, a, a testimony uh, many years ago. There was a young Asian girl, and I think she was born either in Cambodia or Vietnam. And God blessed her to emigrate to this country, and I think she was adopted by some parents. Well, while she was a child over in her native country, she was raped multiple times by soldiers and older men, and and so much so that her internal organs were were deformed. And um, they examined her and said she would never be able to have children. And she was saying that. Uh, she said when she came to this nation, she got involved in church and she just, God just really started to heal her and reassure her. She said, yeah, she said, um, some of my charismatic friends talking about a spirit feel. She said, they tell me, oh, you should start believing God and, 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 you know, confess the word. And all she said, and I'm so thankful that they want to help me. She said, but I've already gotten assurance from God. See, your assurance of peace goes beyond your confession. You understand me? Because peace keeps you in that place of agreement with God that he heard you and he's gonna, he's fixed it already. See, it's on the way. And so, and I'm not saying have a bad mouth and confess negative things. But I'm saying that she lived in a place of assurance with God beyond feeling that she could confess her way into. You understand, once you have that assurance, your confession really is there to remind you not to get anxious about it. So really what you're doing, what they're doing is taking her backwards instead of respecting where she is. You know, like I remember there was a girl that I knew in, in Bible study uh, years and years ago when I was first starting in the things of God. And she gave her testimony. Uh, she and her husband, she got married at age 35, I think it was. Her husband was around the same age. They were both professional people. And she had worked for years in her profession. She was a lawyer. And she kind of had not really thought that much about marriage. And she met this uh, nice man. He was a doctor. Uh, they seemed to get along, got married, and decided they would have children. You know, why not? You're married. That's what married people do, you know. <laughs> That's what you get married for, hopefully. But anyway, she was saying that uh, she had two two boys first, and then she had a little girl, and the girl was born with some um uh, birth defect deformities and she said that um, they, there were so many of them the doctors thought that the baby wouldn't live of course they told her to abort it when they first found out but she didn't and she said the baby lived was a little girl and uh, uh, she lived for maybe about two weeks and she was pregnant again and she would give her testimony and talk about the baby that they lost and she said and she said we were Christians but we didn't know how to fight the devil 
She said, and God began to show us some things after that about taking authority over the enemy that he didn't give us a deformed baby, blah, this and blah, that. And so, you know, uh, people, well-meaning people would come and say, well, I want to pray for your baby. She said, well, you can pray for this baby, but God's already told me this baby's normal. You understand what I'm saying? And so we can get zealous over Instead of using wisdom and asking God to open a door if this woman needs prayer, we can get zealous and want to kick a door in and create, we can create problems for people that they don't have. And when she said that, there was such a peace that came over everything. And I thought to myself, God, I said, I wish I could get that way about everything that you tell me in life you understand what i began to covet having that assurance where you know that you know that you know and you don't need anything else to go along with that for insurance you know that it'll come to pass and so i always admired people who could just walk in the faith and the confidence and the peace with god that what they have asked for Beyond a doubt, God is going to give it to them. You understand me? And I know that place is possible for everybody because it's promised to us in the word. So if you have really prayed and you've allowed God to to put that thing in its proper place, number one, your confession will not be bad about it. You won't speak any negative. Once you have assurance, you have peace with God, your confession starts to line up with your faith. So you don't have to worry about. See, people who say, uh, want one thing and then say something against it, they never really dealt with God on it and got his peace about it. Because you're, you're double-minded. See, one day you got it, the next day it's gone. One day you're encouraged, the next day you're in the dumps. Roller coaster life. God didn't, didn't, that's not what he ordains for us. I'm telling you, you can live a life of peace with God about everything. And if you, you start to waver, then you get back in the word and start getting those negative thoughts out of your mind. Renew your mind to where you start thinking like God all the time. You see, and not fall back into that because that thing will sink you. We think that, that it's not that important. But what you think will will eventually become words and those words will start to, to grow and they will produce. And so we know it because we know how we've gotten good things from God. And so if we will stay in that place of peace, peace overrules everything. Peace is the umpire. Peace is the final decision on everything that God wants to do. And so we, we have to maintain that place of being peaceful in God and, and, and labor to enter into that. You know, if you're going to work hard at anything, labor to enter into your peace again that you had. You know, remember when you went to the altar and prayed that great prayer and everything was great. And and then all of a sudden we get distracted and put our eyes on other things and we start meditating on what we see and not what we prayed for and believed. And once we once we start wavering like that, we're about to lose our footing. But God will write us back up again. So yesterday we shared that example in, where do we finally find our scripture? Uh, where was it? The one with Peter and, did I write it down? Don't tell me I didn't write it down. Somebody found it for me yesterday. What is it honey? 
Matthew 14. Let me see. Yeah, I didn't write it down because I didn't have it. I'm put here. Matthew 14. 22. Yeah. Okay. So here's Peter, and this this can be us. When you start stepping out in faith, it is like stepping out of a boat. Your boat is comfort. Your boat is status quo. But your boat, there's not room for much in there, huh? So you decide you want to expand your vision, expand your horizons, ask God for more, get more into the mindset of what God has for you. And so you start to dream, you start to get into the word, you start to see some things that you think would, would make your life better, you know, things you desire. And so you, you begin to pray. So that's really stepping out of the boat of, you know, it's not like you don't have enough to live off of and you're not settled and all of that, but there's always the vision of a future. Uh, and a hope and, and that. And so that's always the excitement of living because as long as you have a vision of something greater and something more and something pleasing, then you can start to um, expect that from God. And so here Peter wants to step out and and uh get something and we, we we talked about things that might have motivated him out of that boat number one the 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 waves were tossing anyway the boat was in peril it seemed he sees jesus out on the water and he always sees jesus as his salvation so it it's possible that he wanted out of the boat because jesus seemed to be at peace and he said i want to go over there where that is there's nothing wrong with that and so Jesus tells him to come. He said, Lord, if that's you, tell me come. Jesus says come. And Peter gets peace. Huh? He gets peace that he can get out. As long as he's focused on where he's going, that peace holds up. This is just like when you decide you're healed for the umpteenth time. Huh? I do it. I'm healed one minute and then pain hits me and I forget it and that's, oh yeah, that's right, I'm healed. You got me? Catch yourself as quick as you can. See, if Peter had done that, when he got out of the boat, he started looking around and he started sinking. He said, oh wait a minute, I'm going toward Jesus. Let me get back up on it. You understand what I'm saying? You can do it just that quickly. And that's what we are supposed to do. So when Peter steps out, he decide he sees that that he's coming toward the lord but then he gets distracted by the natural the wind and the waves amen that's what the enemy does to us continually there's always some distraction you know like yesterday i was feeling good we got all our shopping done we get we're ahead of our schedule our normal schedule for getting the conference thing settled out i'm glad i got ahead of the schedule because in saturday we got to have the car wash and grill and all that kind of stuff feeling good about that thanking god for it and then all of a sudden what happens the devil kicks the power you see what i'm saying so if i look at that if i look at what's wrong and get frustrated and get angry and listen listen i am so beyond upset about the devil he needs to be upset about me you understand what i I don't have the problem he's got the problem because he's trying to steal from god you got me and we're not gonna let him do it and so when you see these things happen 
You can get yourself right back into faith again. As quickly as you stepped out, you can step right back in again and understand. Now, I don't walk around expecting the devil to do something. You know, that's not faith. I have faith in God. I have faith that whatever the devil throws at me, God's got a ready answer for it. He's a present help in trouble. So I look for the present help. I don't look for the trouble. I don't look for, you know, ways to stay in trouble. I look for ways to stay in peace. And so whatever pertains to your peace, that's what God tells you to do, folks. You, you go the way of peace and do what, what is in your heart to do that settles it. It doesn't matter to me that we move that freezer over here and it's not running yet. It's gonna run. No effort in God is ever wasted. No effort in toward using your faith is ever wasted. We've got to stay out of self-correction and lamentation in life and quit feeding the devil's thoughts so much. You got me? Because uh, it wasn't, it wasn't up to me to decide if it was going to work or not. It was up to me to use my faith to get it to work. Suppose it had worked. See, the naysayers would have nothing to say if it had worked. You got me? And so you have to watch yourself when you're living by faith. You have to stay in the flow of what God's doing. You gotta stay in the, in the blessing factor. You gotta stay in the faith factor. And you gotta stay in the peace factor. I would be stupid to not try to preserve what we have. I don't care how much effort it takes to move it. Amen? And if a man can't move it, I'm woman enough to move it myself. Hey. 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 You understand what I'm saying? I mean, seriously. You get the job, you just get her done. Amen. That's what's important. Amen. And so we don't stop until we get what God has for us. This stinking devil getting your way. My goodness. He's already uh, uh, defeated. He's already brain damaged. That's why the people that follow him are so crazy. Amen. He'll get some of these people out protesting and taking their clothes off and wearing crazy clothes and body painting out there. Just totally just depraved acting people. That's demonic. People who have dignity and self-respect don't do them kind of things. So I don't give the devil one one minute's thought, folks. You know, any more than he might slip me up and, and get me snared sometimes. But I'd repent and get right back where God had because I want his peace. When I have peace with God, I have his handshake that this is going to work out. I'm working for you. We're in this together. And I'm the greater one. And we're going to get through this. This is not a problem for God. You understand me? And so we have to stay on that edge. That edge edge of peace that edge of it's done that edge of no more fear that edge of no more concern that edge of living now as though you have what you're expecting in the future amen so that's faith folks and that's peace so we have to understand what god means by peace peace means not only absence of fear but goodwill it means safety And it means to stop your labor, cease from labor, cease from the hard stuff, cease from the heavy stuff, cease from the troublesome things. 
peace gives us wisdom and riches. We talked about that before. Amen. When Solomon asked for wisdom and, and God gave that to him, that gave him a peaceful kingdom. Amen. People came from all over the world to sit down and listen to him talk. Can you imagine such a thing? Well, we do it some too. You know, we'll go special people we want to hear with different messages and so forth. But these were people who were leaders of their own countries would come just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. It means to keep in check. So your peace keeps the devil in check. It keeps discouraging thoughts in check. It keeps defeated thoughts, fearful thoughts. It keeps all of that in check. So your peace is the greater thing. Peace also means to lead a quiet life. No turmoil. No emotional outburst, no upset. You just live that tranquility in God. Yesterday we also talked about the peace offering that was given. It was over and above. It was like, God, you've been so good to me. I'm just going to give an offering for that. It was over and above the sin offering, the trespass offering, all of the offerings that were mandated by the old covenant. It was over and above those. It was that that you gave to God because you just wanted to tell him you're thankful. You just wanted to tell him how good he is to you. You wanted to thank him for his peace in forgiving you all of your sins, cleansing you from all unrighteousness. And so you're thanking him that he has given you his peace to carry with you so you don't feel, uh, you know, stressed about things. You don't feel convicted about everything. You don't feel dirty and out of sorts. You don't, you're not afraid of him that if you do one more thing wrong, he's really going to get you this time you understand his peace means so much it's it's the greatest thing we talked about the fact that God's peace in your life makes you feel like you can do anything and that's what grabbed a hold of um, Peter when he got out of that boat he felt like he could do anything because he had God's permission to do it So peace really is God's permission to believe him for great things. It's his handshake. It's his seal of approval on your request. Undisturbed peace is the greatest commodity you can have because the one thing that the enemy uses is disturbance. And fear to get us out of the place where we have assurance with God. If he can get you nervous about whether God will or whether God approves or what God wants for you, then he can pretty much take your mind. And so he he uses that disturbance to get us in a place where we lack peace and then we're scrambling for for an idea or we're scrambling for a thought or we're scrambling for an answer or we're scrambling here scrambling there many times we we have to really work on ourselves to break the habit of searching our minds for answers to things and just wait on God's peace to descend upon us and out of that uh, spirit of peace will come the answer and instruction that we need. 
You got me? Like for instance, you have something comes up, you have a bill that you didn't expect or it's bigger than what you thought. And the first thing the enemy wants to do is make you nervous about it. Oh, well, how am I going to do? Well, let me think if I do this and do that and do this and do that and do, if I do this and you're always robbing Peter to pay Paul, huh? Peter get held up all the time, you know, took the gold out of his teeth and the, you know, the, the last $50 bill out of his sock. As I used to tease my husband about. I said, yeah, I want that last $50 bill out of your sock. And he would look up at me. I said, oh, I know he got one. <laughs> I said, brother, you indict yourself with that look. But you know what I'm talking about. You, you can, you be, you know, scouring the, in, instead of God, I didn't expect this. I know you take care of all of my needs. If you could direct me what I'm to do, if anything, but please get my bill paid for me. You understand what I'm saying? Just be a normal person serving God. And quit trying to manage your own life. And see, the more the enemy can do that to us and get us upset and get us searching for our thoughts and all this kind of stuff, the more trouble he gets us into. Because, you know, sometimes you think, well, at least I, I got, no, I got a credit card over here. I got, maybe God don't want you to go to that familiar credit card again. Maybe he wants to do it himself or bring you some new money to get it done. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's what God's talking about when he talks about having trust in him and having confidence in him. But what you need is God's peace. And so once you confess that need and you receive his peace, then he will give you instruction after you are peaceful. you got to receive his peace first and he will instruct you from that. He does not instruct anxious people because anxiety shows you don't trust him. His word says be anxious for what? Nothing. Don't even let anxiety be a part of your life. Don't expect it and don't honor it. But he says in all things by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Don't forget the thanksgiving part. Don't forget to show God thanks. Don't forget to give him thanks. And so many times, you know, you can give a little offering over and above because you're thankful to God. Father, I thank you that that answer is coming. It's not here yet. So I'm going to offer this up to you in thanks for the for the uh, answer that's on its way that will be here when I need it. Amen. And so learn to live a life of faith like that. You know, just abiding in his peace, enjoying your life, enjoying peace, and it would be undisturbed. You want a peace that's never disturbed, amen, for anything. So <clears throat> when we talk about <clears throat> the peace of God, it really means to live in a place where you are with God all the time. See, his peace really is him walking with you on a continual basis. Amen. Number 626, that's that familiar blessing that we always bless the people of God with. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
when he says let his face shine toward you people felt that you could not look God in the face and live. If you ever looked him in the face, you would die. But if you were like him, you could look at him. And so when we observe or or look at the countenance of God, it's because he dwells in us. Now we can look at him. Amen. And we can, his, he can always look upon us with approval now and not with damnation and condemnation. And so when you understand that God is always with us, his face is always shining upon us as long as we have right standing with him, as long as you, you're not in sin and you're not rebellious and you're not harboring anything in your heart against him or anybody else his face shines upon you amen and and this was what the the jew knew was a promise that someday they would live in the presence of god that there would be a continual so his peace really means that you are now living in his presence on a continual basis amen the romans romans called it coram deo anybody know what that means c-o-r-a-m coram miss karen you know what that means coram deo no, it means in the face of God or in the presence of Koram's face. Amen. It means to live in a perpetual joy and perpetual peace living in the face of God. And this is what many of the early Christian church fathers wrote about. That now that you're in Christ, you can live perpetually in the face of God. You can live in the presence of God continually in in peace, not as God's enemy and he's watching you to see if you do something wrong. Amen. But you're living in his presence in his peace. You're living in his presence in his joy. And that was what the Christians sought was the life of perpetual joy and the life of perpetual peace in the presence of God. That was that was the dream. That was a dream for the Old Testament saints, the priesthood, all of those people that served the prophets of old. All of them longed to see the day when they would, God would dwell with them. They would be always in his presence and that is the life that you want to cultivate. And so number 626 has come to pass for us we do live with his countenance upon us and we do have his peace amen and and so that's a wonderful thing the presence of god is the peace of god the presence of god is the approval of god the presence of god is the face-to-face encounter with god so that he loves you and you love him and it's all good. And so God's peace really means that you take him with you in his approval. He approves of you. And that's so important. Because sometimes the first thing that will come to your mind sometimes when you don't have what you want or it's taken a little bit of time for you to get what you want from God. The first thing will come to your mind is what's wrong. And see if you live in God's peace that what's wrong never comes to you. Because if you know something's wrong you can get it right immediately. And how do we get it right when we know something's wrong? 
Yeah, you confess your sins. Amen. You repent and you turn away from your wicked ways. You confess to God your sins. Amen. And the Bible says he is faithful and just to do what? Now all y'all get with me now. Everybody fiddling with something. Some of y'all got three books and a phone and all that. Come on now because I'm trying to get you to focus on this. You won't need nothing too much in the middle of the week. Come on now. Get with me. Amen. So if you confess your sins, what does he say he's going to do? And to what? That's the important part. See, because we can skip over that. We think, oh, I'm forgiven. And then you go off feeling condemned. Why is that? Because you don't, you don't allow for the cleansing. You know what cleansing means? That means there's nothing wrong anymore. That means you have his peace. Cleansing is what brings peace. You got me? Forgiveness, we do that all the time. We forgive this one, we forgive that one. You don't feel any different. You just say the words, oh I forgive you. Would you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. No, you gotta be cleansed. It's in the cleansing that your peace returns to you. It's in the cleansing that you feel the freedom to go to God. Whenever something comes up, you go as his friend and his partner. You don't go as some enemy that's not sure about what God's gonna tell you. So when you live in that perpetual joy, when you live in the presence of God, when you live as his friend, you live as his partner and companion, the one that cannot be separated from him for anything. He's the lover of your soul. He's the one who is always for you in your corner. Somebody who loves you all the time never turns their backs on you. They're there all the time. I remember my dad used to say that about my mother. He said, yeah, she's always in my corner. She's always in my corner. And I used to wonder, what's that? what is he talking about? You know, I mean, you know, little kids, they always say, oh, daddy. You know, everything's oh, daddy. And, uh, right, because you've heard it so many times before. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand. Daddy's trying to say something that's important for you in your life. Got me? The fact that it gets repeated. Well, he repeated a lot of stuff because he drank and he couldn't remember what he said the last time. But even through that repetition, drove it drove some things into our minds and in our hearts that we did not forget. And I can tell you when I got older and got married, that would have been the highest compliment my husband could have given me. You got me? Because I knew how important it was to my father not to have my mother threaten to abandon him even through all his drinking and all his throwing away his money and all of the poverty and stuff that we went through from time to time. She never ever threatened. You understand what I'm saying? She she stayed faithful. I know when she got a little older and got sick, some things changed. But she returned and, and let him know that she was his partner for life no matter what. And so we have to be that way, folks. We have to understand that relationship with God is very important. It's very important for you to know him as your friend 
in a real way not just a word friend but have that friendship experience with him at all times where where you can be thinking thoughts and and know that you thinking them in God you know that you shared that thought with him and he's going to give you an answer to that thought on the inside of you that's what friends do they're able to to go into the deepest parts of your life and come out with a good answer. They don't come out with a criticism of you. They don't come out with a negative anything toward you. They come out with something wise and reasonable. And if they have to point something out to you, they give you a good answer and a remedy, something you can do. They don't put pitch it over your head so that it's so outrageous you can't even begin to want to be obedient to that so god knows how to put the set the bar at our level and then raise it gradually so that we can cross over these hurdles in life that are important for us to cross he's not doing anything in your life that's unnecessary he's not requiring anything of you that's that's not for you it's it's good for you. It's going to work out for your good, but you got to trust him. So in Psalms 29:11, I have a few scriptures on peace things I want to point out to you. Let's see. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. One thing you need to know is that peace has a strengthening force to it. That's why it makes you feel like you can do anything. Amen. When you abide in the peace of God, there is power there. There is power over all the darkness. Power over all the power of the enemy. Power and, and, and then when there's an anointing, it's a strength that, that it keeps that person in their surroundings in an atmosphere of of uh, uh, resistance toward the devil there's a resistance in god's peace there's a resist it's not just feel good about everybody and, oh it's okay and it's just that's not god's peace there's a resistance to evil in the peace of god you know that that can be discernible as sometimes uh you know the prophets of old carried that when they got a message from god they traveled in god's peace but when they showed up people would run away because they carried that resistance from evil you know many times they would stone them tell them to get out of town or they would just run away from them because if you weren't living right, you better get out of the way, you know, because you're going to hear something you didn't want to hear. You're going to hear something that told you that your your life of sin is not going to pay off forever. You got me? And so there's there's that too in the peace of God. If you don't have something in you that keeps the devil off of you, your peace won't last very long. So then it becomes a shield against evil. It becomes a guard against the powers of darkness. It becomes uh, something that, that vexes the enemy. You, you got me? Uh, sometimes people can walk in such great peace and power. God, they scare everybody. Um, Itahosa was like that. You know, he'd come in. <laughs> we went to see him one time. I was, sitting, I was sitting on the podium getting ready to preach. He was looking around. 
We got so scared. I put my took my gum out my mouth and put it in somewhere else. But anyway, we just we was gonna be good girls that day. But when he got up, he had everything in there under the the authority of the Holy Spirit. Nothing moved without permission. Nothing. You didn't people whispering, getting around, just fiddling. Up. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Everything came under. Why? He had to travel all around the world. And give God's message. God's not going to leave you out there defenseless. And you got to smooth everybody and zhuzh everybody. And, and you know to get your. You're not going to do that. That anointing has to scatter you. The Bible says the king can scatter evil with his eyes. He don't even have to speak to wrong stuff. Amen. And y'all know what I mean. Everybody tries it. Huh? I bear, everybody knows how to roll their eyes. You understand what, well, that's the devil's imitation of that because you, the king of somebody in God's authority can scatter evil with a glance. Hmm? <laughs> you know, people, you need to read your Bible. Good gravy. You know, that's why a lot of times people who are powerful are thought of as mean. Or people who walk in authority are mean. A million devils are, are wanting you to come out of that so they can attack you and take everything that God has under your authority. Huh? Why do you think God gives you that? It's there to keep the devil off of you. Good gravy. You know, God forbid leaders in, in God's kingdom would have to resort to natural means to keep order. And we got a lot of them out there. Don't get me wrong. So it takes confidence in God to just walk in what he gives you and, and you know, let him take care of all that other stuff, you know. So that's Psalm 29, 11. Strength and peace go together. Amen. So when you are a peaceful person, you have strength over evil all the time. You're not going to be a victim to it. Wishy-washy people don't know what they want to do from time to time. You don't want to be like that. You know, somebody come and tell you, well, you act mean. Oh, sweetie, I love you, but you just don't know me. And keep it moving. Amen. You don't give place to the devil and you don't let him accuse you. If your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. Amen. And no man can accuse you after the blood's paid for that. They keep it up. They're going to be fighting against the blood of Jesus. And I don't wish that on anybody. So don't stand there and strive with people and say, oh, well, you know, I didn't mean anything. Yeah, I meant it, whatever it was. My sins are forgiven. You got me? Come up to me and accuse me of anything. Amen. You start accusing the blood. See, that's why we need to shut our mouths a lot of times when we feel negative. Towards something somebody says or negative about them because they are covered in God's blood and you start accusing the blood of not doing a good enough job on that person. You're in trouble with God. And see, we mouth and spew off and we don't have a clue what we're doing. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue, but you can get a clue. You've been saved long enough. You ought to have a clue by now. But you don't accuse the blood, huh? If I stood up here and I said, uh, Miss Ingrid's a liar. Well, that's putting a label on her that the blood of Jesus has removed. Now, because you lie, 
that will make you a liar. When you call somebody a liar, that puts them under the authority of Satan. If you're saved, you're under God's authority. That's why the Bible says if you accuse and hate your brother for no reason, it's a bigger sin to you. You got me? Because the blood has paid for that sin. My sin is not an issue to God. Don't let it be an issue to you because you will get in trouble for it. Amen? So we got to love and forgive all everybody. And quit talking out of what we think we know about people. That's why this business of uh, every time you look up somebody's a homophobe. or That's coming straight from the pit of hell. Because the Satan's the accuser of the brethren. Why would you jump on that bandwagon and start doing the same thing? Wise up, folks. You you don't have the, that's a luxury you can't afford. Amen. Speaking evil of dignities is, is a luxury we can never afford. So you can't do that. Not in please God. Because that same blood that you're condemning that's paid for them, you're going to need it to get you out of trouble. That's why we live in such condemnation sometimes. Because we don't know how to walk upright before God. Now speak out anything the devil tells you. You gotta stop doing that, folks. It's not gonna avail you anything. Now stay off the bandwagon of the accuser. Amen? Don't live in that mentality of accusation against God's people. I don't care who big or small, I don't care who they are. So Psalms 85.8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. And to his saints. But let them not return again to folly. Don't turn again to thinking that it won't happen. Thinking God doesn't love you. Thinking he doesn't care about you. Don't let your mind turn again that way. Amen. And so if you you need God to speak peace to you. That's his voice. Especially to his people. His voice to you is always peace. Amen. And Psalm 85.10 it says mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And people think that refers specifically to the cross. Amen. Where righteousness and peace In other words, your faith meets the peace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's what that scripture, when righteousness and peace have kissed each other. In other words, they've made a covenant to live together. So once you are in God's righteousness, you automatically receive his peace. And that peace abides with you and carries you through difficult times. It carries you through easy times. It is your constant companion. We are never to abandon God's peace. Because Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. It's our permanent possession. We're not to live a, a upset life in a helter-skelter life, in a not knowing life. So in peace is also reassurance. God reassures you in a spiritual way. You don't have to hear anybody say, oh, it's okay, it's going to be okay. No, i got to have God's reassurance because your little words of change, you know, <laughs> your, your life might get upset and you change and I change with you. So you want to take God's word with you 
and God's reassurance, which is peace. Proverbs 16, verse 7. says when a man's ways please the Lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with you with him now that's that that what we just talked about peace repelling evil and peace scattering evil and the peace of God overcoming evil that's around us that might try to attack us Peace will also put confusion on evil. Man. Because the devil can't figure out after all he's thrown at us why we're still here. So when the peace of God is abides with you, let it live with you. Don't give in to emotion and let peace lift off of your life. If it lifts off, just let it be temporary and get it back. Say, God, please forgive me and and help me not to lose your peace because I want to keep that at all times. Amen. So God will, will help us in these things. Amen. He will help us greatly in these things. Jeremiah 29. Let's see what that one says. I know 33 we'll get to as well. So we'll do 29 first. And verse, let me see. I'll go to verse 7. Because this was a time when, when Jeremiah the prophet was prophesying that Israel would go into captivity and so God was promising them even in captivity that there would be peace he says and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive so even in your captivity even in and see this is something that people who you see all the time people get out of prison you know they were wrongly convicted and then finally found evidence and the only way you get to that place of being released is you got to seek peace in that place where you're held captive even if it's against your will you got to seek peace and, and see people people will say this uh um uh, well, I can't take it anymore. I, you know, everybody feels that way because we all have that desire for freedom. And if, if you really know you've been falsely accused, you add injustice on top of all of that kind of stuff. People in marriages feel that way. They feel captive, like they can't. And then they, oh, I can always get a divorce. You understand what I'm saying? Well, then you just get captive to another devil. Huh? Unhappiness. A lot of times people get divorced. I don't get married no more. What you going to do? Fornicate your life away? You belong to God. You understand what I'm saying? So you're to seek peace. You're not supposed to seek a way out. He didn't say you was going nowhere. He said you're there and you're captive. And he says pray to the Lord for it. I'm telling you people in marriage could when they hit a rough spot. 
Understand it's just a bump in the road, but you're going to stay on the road and pray to God for his peace. Even in your situation that's not pleasant right now, look at it as temporary. But see, people, when they're captive, they think it's going to last forever. They just got to have their freedom. Oh, nothing else will do. Well, God told me he's going. I know all of that. But he says also, if you're led captive somewhere, pray for to the Lord for peace. You see some of these, um, you, you saw those girls that were uh, uh, kidnapped and kept in that house in Cleveland for over 10 years. This had to have been working for them. You understand, somebody prayed, that girl in California, uh, JC, that was captive, her daughters were grown when they finally got her out of there. And, and you can't tell me parts of California aren't totally wicked. Because they can bury bodies there forever. They can keep people captive forever. They got cults that are born there where people can get all these fantastic evil ideas and rituals and stuff like that there's some places that are more given to that than others i'm not saying that don't go to california it's the worst place i didn't say that but there's enough wickedness there that a person who is unlawfully captive can be there for over 10 years 15 years you got me? And, and that thing stand. And so we have to understand that God has always wanting to raise up a method to keep people who are held against their will in some level of peace. Amen. Some level of peace. And God wants us to have that peace. There are some neighborhoods that are given over to, to secretively hiding evil. You know, more than others. That's why it's good to live in a neighborhood where you know your neighbors. You stop saying hi to people and I don't get involved with me. You better find out who's living next to you. You understand what I'm saying? See, we've given, we've given that over to this selfish desire to just not be bothered with people. You know, and I understand that to a certain extent, but it's good to know. What's normal for next door? What's not normal for next door? You understand what I'm saying? And and the way it used to be in in old neighborhoods, you know. And so we we have to always be willing to let our peace carry everything that we know and everything that we do, and and know that your peace will sustain you. So even in situations that are way beyond your control. He says, pray to the Lord for it, for in the place thereof you shall have peace. So you'll be able to carve out a little corner where you can have some joy, where you can live, where you can have food, where you can have a bath when you want to, all that kind of stuff. You just have to pray for peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which cause you to, which you cause to be dreamed. For the, they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. So this is Jeremiah correcting the false prophets. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good will towards you and causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, even though you're captive. And not evil. 
to do you good and to give you an expected end. Amen. He says, then you'll call on me and you'll go and pray to me and I will hearken to you. And you will seek me and find me when you shall search with, for me with your whole heart. I know there's some, some fragments there that are very familiar to us. But understand the context in which it was written. God was about to send his people off into exile because they'd sinned too much. But he told them, I'm still going to be there for you. I'm going to give you thoughts. He said, I have thoughts of peace towards you. I'm not telling these people to treat you bad. I'm not telling these nations to abuse you. But if you pray to me, I will offer you a refuge. Amen. Isaiah 53, that's a very familiar spirit uh, scripture. It says that he was wounded for our iniquities. Amen. Wounded for, uh, uh, he was, what was it? For our sins, yeah, let me get it. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Number five. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's knowingly breaking the law. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's the things you want to do that you don't get a chance to do. (laughs) The bad stuff. The chastisement of our peace was laid on him. In other words, the punishment that brought you peace with God and with his stripes we are healed. That's the all inclusive atonement, all inclusive atonement of the blood of Jesus. That anybody that sins and feels they need to punish themselves for it, that's been done already. The chastisement. See, many times we're unsettled in our minds and not peaceful because we don't allow the atoning work of the cross to do the work in us that it needs to do. You may have to go some years to understand that your sins are forgiven and what that means. You got me? A big problem in the church is that we don't understand the basics of salvation. We don't understand that everybody's sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven and they're cleansed. You're purged from all your righteous person. Because the blood of Jesus did a total job. If it couldn't free your conscience and your mind up from feeling bad about your sin, it hasn't done the whole job. And if you still feel bad about sin, you got to stay in the face of God, amen, in his presence, in that perpetual joy, in that coram dio. You've got to stay there until the job is done. But what do we do when we feel bad about something? We run from God. need to stay in his presence until the job's done. You have to stay in the presence until you're not really ready to condemn yourself and other people and run around moping and feeling bad and being depressed and being this and being that. When you can walk in perpetual joy, God did that, folks. Nobody but God did that. You don't get that. You, there aren't enough drugs that you could take legally or illegally. To keep you in perpetual joy. You have to come down off of them at some point. So there's no. And you can't smile and be happy. And pretend to be happy. 
in order to get there. That perpetual joy only comes from the peace of God. And it it means that the blood has absolved you of all responsibility, all fear of punishment, all fear of abandonment because of something you do. See, that's what humans do to one another. God's not human. He's God. He's way beyond where we have experience with. Amen. So it's very, very important for us to stay in the presence of God until we get that assurance that we are cleansed. Not just forgiven, but you got to stay there until you're cleansed. And you have perfect peace with him. Your mind isn't rumbling, grumbling, and carrying on. And uh, if I hadn't done this, I hadn't done that. Uh, it's, it's, you know, and you have to, you have to correct yourself when you find yourself doing that. You know, I mean, it, it's not going to get you to obey him or obey what you're criticizing yourself about any faster if you, if you do that harangue thing, you know. I think it's just an old religious thing sometimes that, that stays in our, you know, it's easy to do. It's like, you know, you, you'll be having dinner and you'll be full. And then you'll say, ah, I'm gonna have that little piece of pie. And then you go slap yourself up half the night cause you had to, well, quit it. Okay. And see, that's what, what not being cleansed does. It makes you want to beat yourself up. For something you did, you know you shouldn't have done it, but but it's not the end of the world. It's not going to send you to hell. You understand? Now there are people who will make you think like that. And you get around some of these health food nut people and man, they ready to send you off somewhere because you, you know, eat what they say is wrong, huh? (laughs) We can get real carried away over nothing. Isaiah 54, God says, my covenant of peace will never depart from you. 54.10 says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Well, oh, I'm sorry, 54.10. It says here, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall my covenant of peace be removed. In other words, he's going to always speak to us in peace. He's not going to tell us anything that that makes us nervous and upset or upsets us. Or come to him upset and he's going to talk to you. You come to God in covenant. You come to him in peace. God, I know it's not going to be good news, but whatever it is, I know I'm going to get peace about it because you promised. (laughs) I mean, whatever you got to do. Whatever you have to do. Matthew 23, this is Jesus lamenting over the city of Jerusalem. And he talked about what he wanted to do. 23 and verse 37. It says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together? Even as a hen gathers chickens under her wings and you wouldn't let me or you would not have it. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. 
For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall, you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The, there was a, um, let me see what it says in Luke 13, cause that's probably the one I want. I hope it is. Luke 13. In verse 34, I think it says the same thing. And stone them that sent unto you, how often would I have gathered your children together? Behold, your house is left desolate. And verily I say to you, you shall not see me until it says blesses. There was a scripture that says that uh, he spoke to Jerusalem and said he wanted to explain to them things that pertain to their peace. That was the one I wanted. And I missed it. But what Jesus was saying was that he wanted to speak to them of the things. If they had mixed some faith in, in his preaching. There would be a peaceful outcome in their lives. In other words, where they missed it, they did not receive the teachings that would have brought them peace. They didn't allow the teaching to sink in so that they could get peaceful about what God was doing in their lives. All they ever heard was you're wrong. You're not right. The fair, this is legalism. Uh, the Pharisees would sit and watch him preach and where'd you get that authority? Who told you you could do that? It was with them, it was all about their system and how it was being disturbed. So to them, it was a disturbance all the time. To the average Jew, it was a disturbance because they were being told by the religious leaders that this man is not teaching right because we're the ones who have the word and we have this and we have that. Even though Jesus was fulfilling everything that was written about him, they could never get peace about it. And this is the most important thing. God wants us to get peace above all other things. He wants them to, He wants to talk to them about things that pertain to their peace instead of always being on the offensive and defensive. It's not a war here. I'm fulfilling the law for you so you can go on to a grace, a life of grace and peace with the Father. And so it was very, very hard for him to cut through all of that religion and legalism and things added to the law and how how they interpreted the law, all that kind of stuff. It was a challenge for Jesus to the point where he just began to lament, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, what am I going to do with y'all people? You know, I've been wanting to, to give you this peace. And, and give you an assurance of your relationship with the Father, but you're not going to receive it from me. Do you find it? Anybody find it? Nope. Okay. So, so 
God wants us to know that the things that we need for our peace are always available to us. Amen. They're always available. They were available to the Jew when Jesus walked the earth, but they could not receive it. In, uh, let me see. I wanted to go in Genesis. Which one? I had one more example for us. Amen. Praise God. Let me see. I think it's Genesis 12 or 13. Let me find it. About how important it is. And how maturity will cause us to seek peace above everything else. Praise God. I think right after he returned from Egypt. Yeah, in Genesis, I think it's 13. Let me read a little bit. It says, um, Abraham went up out of Egypt, him and his wife, all that he had lot with him. Abram was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. He went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel and so forth and so on. He made an altar to the Lord. And lo, and lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks, herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them. In other words, God had blessed and prospered them so much that they outgrew mutual living together. And and for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife not between Abraham and Lot but between their herdsmen. So... Here's a situation where your kids can get you in trouble or, you know, you can, you can be a father. Amen. So I like this because it showed the relationship between Abraham and Lot. And there was strife between their cattle and the Canaanite and Perizzite dwelled in the land at that time. So what that's saying is you're in a land of enemies. You don't need to fight one another. You need to be friends. Amen. You need to seek peace. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between me and you. In other words, this could get ugly. So let's stop it right now. And so he says, uh, uh, Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between you and me. Let there be peace, in other words, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, because we're brothers. He says, is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself, please, from me. And you can take, if you will take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, I'll go to the left. So Abraham is telling Lot, it's your choice. I'm not delegating to you what belongs to you. I'm going to let you choose which part of this land you prefer. 
And Lot lifted up his eyes and behold the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord like the land. So Abraham, so Lot took the best looking, he took the choicest land in other words. And Abram let him do it. Now this shows what you may have to do to obtain peace with someone. You might have to let them get their way. Something nobody ever wants to do, do they? You want your way, they want their way. But if you're a a person who values peace, you will do whatever it takes to maintain peace with someone. And see, many people don't don't understand this about how God views sin, righteousness, good, evil, uh, blessings, not blessings. You can't determine what somebody, how somebody needs to, to live to be blessed of God. I can't either. Only God can determine that. But you can determine if you are are committed to live in peace with somebody or if you're not committed to do it. If you're committed to live in peace with someone, you will do whatever is necessary to get that peace. You don't have to be right. You don't have to. Now, you could say, oh, well, you know, Abraham, it's, it belongs to him. If he didn't, he wasn't blessed with God. Lot wouldn't have anything. True, but not important. True, but not important. What's important? Peace. That's what you got to come away with. Above all things, I have to cease the strife. I have to cease the animosity. I have to cease the arguing. And I must have peace. Some of you have been the recipient of the peace of God and what it can do. How it can move mountains and make miracles. And you're not even aware that that's what happened. Because you finally dropped striving with somebody. You finally forgave them. They were wrong. But you're wrong too. See we never see it that way. We never see that if we're willing to judge and hold on to the wrong. That that's wrong as well. Because all God wants is peace. You've had you've had finances released to you when you forgave somebody. You've had children get blessed because you forgave somebody. You've had healing in your body because you forgave somebody because you went you you chose to live in the face of God and choose peace instead of who was right and who was wrong strife will continue as long as that's your issue when that ceases to be your issue God will release peace to you and peace conquers everything and brings it into your possession It puts everything under God's authority and into your life. And I'm telling you, if the body of Christ would seek peace above all other things, we would be so much the better, so much richer, so much more prosperous, 
so much better able to influence other people, so much better able to win the lost and perform miracles. It would be amazing what we're able to do if we will seek peace. Let that be your umpire. Let that be your guide. Let that be what you you strive for when when things happen that get beyond your control when you find that there's animosity and all that kind of stuff you don't have to win an argument you can settle for peace you understand what i'm saying you can seek peace god how do i make peace with this person sometimes what you think is is peaceful isn't god's highest sometimes we just stop talking and we keep an angry attitude you understand what I'm saying? We pout and we, yeah, sarcasm, all kind, we throw all kind of stuff out there. He said, well, at least I shut up. Yeah, but you still got an attitude. What good did that do? It's not pleasing to God. So we got to understand, get instruction from him about what he means when he says peace. He means that you're intact in your head. Amen. Instead of being pulled every which way and concerned about this and about that, you know, you have a settling in you and you're in the face of God and it's his spirit and his presence that keeps you. Amen. That's what we got to seek. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word and for giving us understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your graciousness that covers everything that we do. Thank you, Lord. That's a divine permission that you give us. And you give us divine peace, a greater peace than what we could ever accomplish in the natural. We thank you for this powerful spiritual force. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen.